This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Blair and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is, and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, I'm Ian and I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Ian. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions, or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognize it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety, one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recover. It has taught us how to enjoy life as sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Uh, would our guest like to introduce themselves and give us a quick sketch of who you are? Hi, I'm Ian and I'm an alcoholic. Uh, so how old are you and how long have you been sober? I'm 59 and I've been sober eight years and eight months. Cool. Um, and what do you do for a living, Ian? I'm retired. Awesome. Uh, any family? I got a wife. Cool. Uh, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? 
my childhood. My childhood was brilliant. I had great parents. I was born in Scotland. We emigrated here when we was when I was six. And before we came here, I looked all around Scotland, England, Wales, Ireland, went somewhere in the continent. And yeah, we're like everything was made to give us kids a better life. There was no drama, no nothing. We came here, it was still the same. The only strange thing, probably I've been to about 12 schools, which wasn't really impressive, always being the new kid. But yeah, apart, apart from that, I had a pretty, pretty happy, very good childhood. All right, thanks, Ed. Um, so uh, with that in mind, so when did you actually start drinking and uh, how did it progress? Oh, I first got drunk when I was 10. It was a New Year's Eve party. The um, parents were sort of in the lounge area and there was a few kids in the kitchen where all the alcohol was and there was a like a door to the backyard where the kids could go out and play. But I thought I'd find out what the intrigue was and what all the parents were doing. And I got hammered. And I was sick as a dog. Threw up everywhere and about... Oh, it was within two weeks, so I did it again. And I would say by 12 or 13, I was chasing pretty hard. The only thing that held me back was availability and money. And by 16, I was working and I was an everyday drunk. And that carried on till I was 50. As far as I know, I had three days off in that time, in the 34 years. And only one of them was by choice. Bit of an experiment. Sickest day of my life. And uh, so how did you drink, Ian? Did you drink socially or drink alone? What was it like? Uh, either. It didn't really matter. I was pretty social. You'd go out after the pub. I, I belonged to a lot of sports things when I was younger. I uh, started playing darts when I was about 23, which took up a fair bit of my social time. But was, if you've got the impression that there's a whole bunch of alcoholics play darts, I, I am... I suppose I, I make you right, but I don't, I don't think they all are, but it's a great thing for an alcoholic to do. And But later on, well, I mean a lot later, probably the last three years, I was very much alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would just, uh, so I used to go to the pub after work, but I had to go home first because I didn't really want to see that I couldn't hold my glass in one hand and get it to my mouth because mm-hmm. I'd spill half of it on the way. That's when I started, yeah, really, really, it really progressed the last three years. You know, yeah, I was pretty much. I'd still go out, but I'd have to juice up first and then go out and carry on. Right. Uh, had you ever tried to stop before then? Uh, the, the one day I talk about when I had three days off, the one that was voluntary was one Easter when I was about thirty, I think, maybe thirty-one, and somehow I'd heard that if you could stop for four days that you might not have a problem, which was a whole lot of shit I knew as an alcoholic anyway. But I thought I'd give it a whirl. So Thursday night, because it was Easter, drank everything I could find in the house, which was quite a lot, I must say, once I'd had a good look round. And then I got right through the Friday. That Friday night was maybe the worst night of my life. I was just so ill. And come Easter Saturday, I think I was in my local about half past eight in the morning. And that was it. That was my one attempt to give up. I was terrified of detox, actually. Um, and, and at the end, when you did realise there was a problem, what made you realise you needed help? Oh, I just had enough. 
I just couldn't go on. I was going to die. It's, it's that simple. I had a choice between life and death mm-hmm. and drinking and not drinking. Yeah, I had like pains where my liver is, pains in my kidneys. Well, I just felt sick all the time. Right. And I was, I'd had to, first thing I did when I got up in the morning was have a drink. Well, on the way, get up to go to the bathroom. On the way there, I'd grab a beer out of the fridge, then go to the toilet, then have a couple more to get to work, take a couple more to go to work. Or if bad day, I'd have, I think you'd describe it as a builder's cup that I had next to my cask of wine in the pantry in the kitchen. That was that. Yeah, that was my breakfast quite often. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was just carrying on like that. I couldn't sleep through the night without getting up to have a drink. Mm-hmm. It was about about three and a half hours was the longest I could go, and it's just in the end, it was just I've got to do it. I've had enough. Mm-hmm. And during that whole time, did you have any problems with losing jobs or relationships with the family or things along those lines? I had one job all my life from 16 to 55. I worked in the same place. Mm-hmm. And I think I had any really serious family things. Probably let let them down quite a lot. But yeah, they were quite understanding. I've got one sister. She was amazing. When I decided to give up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, couldn't be more supportive. Mm. Yeah. And when you got to that point of, of I could have rock bottom, what what did it feel like? like? You know, physically, emotionally and spiritually. Oh, it's just terrible. It was it really was a matter of life and death, that's all it was. Mm. It, it just had to be done. Right. Emotionally Well, I was really upset because I was losing my best friend. Mm. I, I didn't want to stop, I had to stop. Mm. There was no two ways about it. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you now if I hadn't stopped drinking. There's no way. Mm. Yeah. And physically, well, um, at the moment I'm 63 kilos. When I stopped, I was 86, right. and I was quite disgusted by the way I looked. Doesn't sound that big, but to me, it was mm-hmm. horrendously fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and spiritually, I wouldn't even go there. I, I yeah. don't know if I had any spiritual connection or whatever back then. Mm-hmm. I was just a mess. Right. Um. Thanks for sharing that. And um, I mean, from that, how did you find your way to your first AA meeting, and, and what was it like? Well, my first AA meeting would have been in the bridge because to get sober, I went to Kennedy at Hillmorton to do a medical detox for a week and they arrange it so that you get straight out of Hillmorton and you go to the bridge. Mm-hmm. And in the bridge, it's, I think it's suggested, but it's really compulsory that you go to two AA meetings mm-hmm. a week. And they had one in there, so I went to that. But I think the first one I went to with a guy from the bridge who was on about his fourth rehab, I think. And he took me to a meeting in Tiafina next to the bridge. It was a Tuesday night men's NA meeting, and they do it in the dark. And that just about put me off ever going to a meeting ever again in my life. But the guy I was with, he said, oh, it was a bit, bit much that one. He goes, don't judge everything by that. And so I kept going. As suggested in the bridge, probably did a couple of extras. And when I got out, I did. I just didn't really have another solution. I, I didn't know how to stay sober. I had no idea. And I didn't know if the real me walked into Hillmorton or walked out. That was my problem because I'd been drunk for 34 years. And so sobriety was just, it was just so weird. It's like, what, what do I do now? I've done this same thing for so long. And 
I knew that staying sober was the only solution to my problem mm-hmm. and I had to find something to help me. And so I started I started going to, I just kept going to AA yeah. and I've done it ever since. I haven't done sobriety with AA, without AA. Right. I don't know if I could. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would work and I can't see any reason why I would want to find out mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. case it didn't work. Yeah. Um, and and when you first got there, how were the members of AA? Uh, how did they treat you? Well, I pretty much hid from everybody. It took me about a year to speak to anyone. Mm-hmm. And no matter what meeting I went to, there was one that I go to all the time. I still go to it. And I go to a few others, but I'd just sort of go in. If I was asked to share, which was pretty rare because I'd try to hide. <laughs> but if I was, I would decline. This was for about a year. Uh, I, I just didn't really socialize with anyone. I think that came from all my close friends died when I was drinking and I didn't want any. I still don't really have any close friends. That doesn't worry me at all. But I actually, when I was drinking, when my last one died, I was 35 or 36 and I decided then that I'm not going through that pain again. Mm -hmm. So I just set out so that I wouldn't have any. I don't think an alcoholic needs any help for people not to like him. But I was... Definitely helping that process along yeah. just to avoid the pain. Mm. And, yeah, I think that made me very self-absorbed, I would say, and I think I still am. Yeah, I still pretty much keep myself to myself. But once I started talking to people and mingling with people, it's yeah, it's been a great journey. There's, there's a lot of people I like. Well, I don't think I've met anyone that I don't like in AA, actually. Mm. We're, we're all changed people. We're, we're all trying to change ourselves into a better version of what we used to be, I think, and I think that's got a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. I certainly trying to be a better version of what I want to be. When I first went to AA, I simplified it to the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and I've, that's how I've done it all the way through, actually, and it's quite amazing. Like you walk down the street and smile at people. Some of them even smile back. It's, it's amazing life, actually. Nice. And with that sort of basic building block in mind, uh, how have you managed to stay sober or what things have you done to ensure your sobriety? Uh, well, I got on a big physical thing as, as well as mental, but it, it's turned into a mental thing, I think. It was when I was in the bridge in the little garage at the back, I got some fitness equipment. And as I said, I, I thought I was grossly overweight and all of a sudden people are feeding me five times a day when it was quite regularly for me to eat once every four days mm-hmm. when I was binging. Well, not well, I was binging all the time, but yeah, I just wouldn't eat. And so I went to, I started going into this garage at um, the bridge and using the fitness equipment. And the day that I got out of there, I joined the gym and I used to go every day. Now I go six times a week and it's just, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It becomes such a mental thing. It's so good for me mentally as well as physically, just because I enjoy it so much. Mm-hmm. If you didn't enjoy it, you wouldn't do it. Yeah. You just wouldn't go like I do. And yeah, it's just trying to. I, li- I don't know, live life on better terms than you used to. Like I say, I try to be nice to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, have you been involved in any uh, service? Or has that been a part of your recovery in AA at all? I've done some. I was a intergroup rep for a while. Mm-hmm. That was that was quite different, actually. I, I went to uh, um, 
conscience meeting and all these people were saying, oh, I think it was the first one I went to and all these people go, because oh, they invited me and, oh, we need an integrate rep and everyone's looking at me. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, all right, I must have put my hand up to do this. And that was explained to me, but that's the only real service I do. I see services like doing this that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I did a, a speaker's meeting. That's something I never thought I'd do. I spoke for about 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever done that in my life, mm-hmm. especially speaking about myself. I didn't really find anything interesting in it before. And yeah, just sharing and uh, talking to other members. That's that's cool. Um, and if you've touched on it briefly already, but um, how would you describe yourself and the life you have today? Uh, with how do you feel within yourself since you became sober? Oh, my life today is great. It's um, it's just so easy, I suppose. It's a bit, it's a bit strange to put it that way because staying sober is not easy, but my life is easy because it used to all be just about drinking. That's all it was about. It's just, well, as I say, I had to drink before I went to work. I had to drink at work. I go to the pub at lunchtime. That's all gone. And and I'm retired now. I got made redundant and retired at 55. So, yeah, everything's cool. I, I'm I'm happy I'll get up, go to the gym, and I can go home and read a library book for the rest of the day. And mm-hmm. I'm happy as. I try to do a job at home most days. There's always something to do. But, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's serenity, I think, is... The word it's you know it's a word that's used a lot in AA, but I've got to keep my serenity. If if I go out there and something upsets me or someone upsets me or something like that's when I'm going to lose it. Mm-hmm. That's when uh, I, I look at my alcoholism as I've got a tiny little cat sitting inside me, like about the, half the size of your thumb, and it's just sitting there doing nothing. But if I start getting upset, it'll start purring, and it'll need some attention. And if I don't give that attention, it'll start roaring. And next minute, these claws are going to start running up inside of me. And I'm going to have to deal with that. So, yeah, my life's pretty cool. As long as I keep my serenity, everything's good. Cool. That's that's fantastic. That's a cool analogy. Um, do you have any goals for the future? Uh, not particularly. I've never really set many goals. I, I, I bought a house when I was 29. That's when I when I met my wife. If I hadn't met her, I would have nothing. Actually, I'd be dead, I would say. Mm-hmm. And we've got a rental. That's how I got to retire. But I'm going to run out of money probably in a couple of years, and then we're going to sell both of those and go house hunting. Mm-hmm. I want to get out of the city. I will have quite a bit of cash to splash, so that should be pretty good. I'm looking forward to that. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm dreading it because I'm a very non-materialistic person. I never used to own anything. Wow. And now I've got this house full of stuff that I'm going to have to shift. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's my main goal really is to stay sober and stay happy. Cool. That's that's it. That's Fantastic. all I have to do. Oh, and healthy. Yeah. Very healthy. Yeah. I've also become a vegan. Mm. Yeah. That's I'm, I'm. I call it paying insurance. I don't want to. I don't want to get old and be sick and not be. Healthy and that, so I'm going to the gym. I'm doing my AA. I'm staying sober. I'm eating what I'm supposed to do, and that, that's my insurance for when I get old. Right. I don't care if I don't get old, but I don't want to get old and not be a functioning old yeah, person. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, <laughs> thanks for that, Ian. Um, now, AA is described as a spiritual program, not religious. What does spirituality mean to you, briefly? Spirituality. I'm not very big on spirituality, really. I. I had a huge struggle with the God word in AA, but I think the way I could describe it is that 
uh, I find faith easy. I have, do have faith in a higher power. I have got a higher power. I found that when I was about three years sober and I was walking along somewhere, a nice sunny day in autumn, and I was like, so I'm 34 years drinking nonstop. I've been three years sober. You know, I was thinking, in my drinking, like I died twice when I was drinking, mm. well, properly dead, got recessed, had serious crashes, broken after bones in my body. There's all sorts of dumb shit happened, and I'm still here. So something's been looking after me for a long, long time, yeah. and I figured this out, and I don't really care what this thing is that looking after me is. I have faith in it, and I find the faith easy, but I don't find religion easy. I can't go religion. Oh. I can't do that but. That's a great way to look at it. Um, and, and with that, what would you suggest for any listeners who may have a drinking problem? Uh, I mean, what advice would you give to someone maybe listening who, who might be asking themselves, do I actually have a problem or not? I think if you're asking yourself if you've got a problem, you've got one. <laughs> great. And if you want to sort it out, just go out and look for some help. There's plenty there. I, I actually rang Hill Morton for my help and they put me on. I thought you could just ring up and go in there, but they, they put me on to someone else. They put me onto the bridge and sorted everything out for me. I think if if you seriously want to give up, which which I didn't want to, but I seriously had to give up, mm. yeah, the help's there if you need it. Just mm. go out and look for it. Yeah, cool. So there some rehab. There was the rehab you mentioned there as well and, and the AA meetings and those particular things. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's heaps of stuff out there you can do. Mm. Yeah, you just got to want to do it. Yeah. You'll get there. Believe me, you will get there. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, thanks a lot, Ian, for that. Um, um Thank you so much for coming on the show uh, and sharing your story with us. Uh, for our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the website at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely that there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members who share their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plans FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on Plans FM website at plansfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the Serenity Prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.